Welcome to the Digital Euro Podcast by the Digital Euro Association. In this podcast, you will learn about the disruption of technology in the monetary and financial system. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the episode. Welcome everyone to the Digital Euro Association podcast, uh, where we discuss the digitization of money and euro, uh, including all types of form factors of the digital euro, such as stablecoins, you know, tokenized deposits, but also CBDCs, obviously. And today we again focus on CBDCs, so central bank digital currencies. However, not from a central bank perspective, but rather from a crypto perspective. Um, and I'm really happy to welcome my two renowned guests, James and Anthony from Ripple. So James Wallace, he's a vice president for central bank engagements at Ripple and Anthony Welfare. He's the European CBDC lead at Ripple. And uh, yeah, guys, uh, thanks for joining me and welcome to the podcast. You're very welcome, Manuel. This is James uh, speaking, James Wallace. Yeah, firstly, let me just say we're delighted to be working closely with the DEA moving forward and we're very excited with that partnership. Um, just a little bit of background on myself. I'm, I'm the uh, leader for central bank engagements and CBDCs at Ripple. So I'm working with a global team that developing product and engaging with clients um, all around the world. I've been at Ripple about two and a half years. I've been involved in blockchain crypto for seven plus years. Um, uh, started at my time when I was at IBM, uh, where I co-founded the blockchain initiative uh, for IBM back in uh, 2015. So that's me. Over to Anthony. Thanks, James, and, um, and welcome to all the listeners. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, I'm Anthony Welfare. I'm the European CBDC lead at Ripple. Um, so working with James and the team on uh, driving forward the opportunities for CBDC stablecoins, etc., in the Euro area. And, you know, pleasure to be part of the Digital Euro Association. It's, um, it's very new for us. We just joined, but, um, you know, it, it's going to be an interesting ride over the next few years as the Euro digitizes and, and everything else. So um, I've been in blockchain sort of five, six years. Um, started with Oracle and then through to DXC Technology, whereas um, MD for the engagements globally. So plenty of discussions on different types of blockchain use cases with enterprise, governments and payments. Um, so really looking to, forward to this podcast. Yeah, so do I. And uh, welcome again to the Digital Euro Association. So we were very, very happy that you also joined. And now, obviously, I'm very happy to you know, start the engagement with this podcast. Um, and I, I find this topic uh, so interesting because usually we would talk to, as I said in the beginning, we would talk to central banks when talking about CBDCs or to commercial banks. And now uh, what is so special, I think, about uh, this discussion that we're going to have today is that we really have this crypto focus uh, of Ripple, which is uh, such a renowned player in the cryptocurrency space uh, for so many years. Uh, and. I think the, the message that should come across is how Ripple could be used for, you know, providing CBDC uh, to the uh, citizens, either of Europe, obviously, but all around the world as well. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to learn a lot today from this uh, discussion and really looking forward to the question um, and, and to the session. And let's start maybe with the first question there. Um, so. 
Could you maybe introduce Ripple uh, in, in short and also explain how Ripple is involved in CBDC projects? Because what I understand Ripple to uh, you know, have been focusing on in the last years is not necessarily CBDCs, right? Um, so what, is, what does Ripple do and uh, how, do you, uh, how is Ripple involved in the CBDC project? Yeah, and no, I'll, I'll happily take that one, um, Manuel. So you know, Ripple is a, a crypto company. Um, some people call us a fintech. You know, either label is fine. We're based in San Francisco. We have about 500 employees around the world, offices in nine different cities. Um, yeah, we're really known for two things historically, right? One is uh, something called RippleNet, which is a global cross-border payments network, which is um, we have over 300 uh clients around the world you know, operating in uh, i think over 70 countries now uh growing very rapidly uh, in, in particular within our ripple net we have a product called odl on-demand liquidity which uh, uses xrp as a bridge currency between countries uh in a way that essentially means that um, foreign transactions do not have to be pre-funded so it really helps it does help with uh, liquidity massively for our clients so that's the RippleNet side. The other side is um, organizationally, it's called RippleX, but really the focus is on um, the, the ecosystem around the XRP ledger. So the XRP ledger is a ledger that actually supports many different currencies and many different use cases. You know, the XRP token is the native currency that runs on the ledger. So the XRP ledger and XRP is slightly different. Um, and we are really uh, looking to um, bring that sort of crypto technology to more to enterprise and government use cases. Hmm. So if we drill down a little bit now into the CBDC space, um, as a company through our Ripple network, you know, we have, uh, we engage with regulators and central banks in markets that we, we move into. Um, so we have a lot of experience in that regulatory space and we did some strategy work, um, about two, two and a half years ago, and, and we were looking at central banks and um, obviously CBDCs was already a, starting to evolve at that stage. And we looked at, looked at it and we, it was very clear that, um, that we believe the technology that we have from RippleNet and the technology that we have through our experience working with the public blockchain ledger, XRP ledger, uh, could be leveraged into the CBDC space. So let, let me just go again one little bit deeper on that and then i'll see if you have any follow-on um essentially as we've been around talking to central banks what they're looking for is um a, a platform that will enable them to you know issue a digital currency so in europe a digital euro to to, to manage the distribution of that to manage the onboarding of of banks and and figure out the use cases that will, will, the banks will provide to the citizens in terms of retail CBDC. Um, there's a high interest in blockchain technology because of the distributed nature. Um, and because once you establish a platform, you can then add new interesting use cases on top. So um, what we've built actually is a uh, we've built a private ledger, a CBDC ledger, which is essentially using the same tech as XRP ledger but in a private instance that's managed by the central bank and other other entities within that, their ecosystem that they're comfortable being validated. So it could be the commercial banks. And then we built a, 
uh, a, a layer of software called what we call a CBDC manager, which is an easy interface to, to basically to manage the ledger. And that's a full life cycle that includes, um, you know, onboarding banks, the process of minting or creating the tokens, distribution of the tokens, transacting with the tokens, and then if appropriate, destroying the token. So the so the central bank really has full control over the supply and the supply of tokens in circulation. So as a long answer to to your question, but uh, hopefully that gives you some sense that we you know we 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 are bringing this technology to market. And also, I believe what we bring is you know our sort of nine years experience in in global payments industry. So we we are a company that does things we build things then we roll them out so we're not a research institution we're not doing uh, proof of concepts we're really doing pilots as a step one to production that's really where we're focusing and we want to bring that vast experience we've got on you know global payments and crypto into the world of cbdc's that's a great answer and very uh, much content actually to digest as well so the first thing uh, that came to my mind is is it basically a tokenization platform where you would then also use the uh, XRP coin that, uh, to, you know, uh, run all the, the, the tokenization processes that you offer or that you would offer to uh, central banks? Or is it a solution where central banks would then actually decide over the, um, over the quantity of coins that they want to give into the system? Um, yeah, that's a good that's a good question to help clarify. So, um, the, the core system does not use XRP, mm -hmm. right? It is it, we're using the same technology that it's with the XRP ledger. What would the token would be the CBDC, right? So mm -hmm. the central bank would actually create their own token, a digital euro, a digital dollar, whatever the mark the market is, um, and that becomes the digital asset as the native um, coin. The native coin, yeah. Now, yeah. where where XRP could come into play potentially is when you're looking at cross-border CBDC. So when you have a digital dollar and you have a digital, you know, real, you know, or digital digital pound, you, know, you obviously need to have some some way to interact cross-border. Yeah. So I think the BIS call this a multi-CBDC model. Um, the, the, uh, one of the ideas is you use a sort of a neutral bridge currency to go from one to the other, similar to the model I explained earlier where with our on-demand liquidity. Mm -hmm. um, but, the, the, yeah, but the core offering really is, is not XRP, there's no XRP involved, it's, it's the native token is the CBDC. That's interesting. And uh, at Ripple, do you focus more on the retail CBDC side or on the wholesale CBDC side? And where do you see the biggest impact also? Um, and uh, so does Ripple and the solution that you provide, um, can it only be used for retail or wholesale use cases or uh, is it basically applicable to both worlds? Yeah, no, it's another, it's another good question. In fact, the, we've had quite a bit of debate internally and, and with some of the other organizations that we've been working with, like the Digital Pound Foundation on you know, retail versus wholesale. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, really, really, we're looking at looking at it with a use case mindset rather than putting into wholesale or resale buckets, right? But if you want to use that terminology, I mean, our, 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 the, the solution is um, suitably applicable to both. I mean, it would be the same same technology that would be used uh, for both of those cases. 
And in fact, some use cases ultimately end to end would would include both wholesale and retail. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about the distribution of tokens from the central bank to commercial bank, commercial bank to an individual citizen, right? That that end to end process is, I guess, both wholesale and retail. Um, in terms of the impact, uh, Manuel, I think the there's been a lot of work done on the on the wholesale side in terms of some of the proof of concepts and pilots to date. Uh, there's clearly benefit there, right? And I think the that's a relatively. Uh, I mean, these, none of this stuff is easy, but I think it's a relatively easier uh, problem to solve, right? Yes. In terms of your interbank settlement and so forth. Um, I think when you start looking at um, impact on people and the impact on countries and economies, I think retail is probably going to have more impact ultimately. Um, you know, we are traditionally been more focused on the retail side, although we do have we do do treasury uh, payment operations as well as part of RippleNet. Um, I think retail gets you into interesting topics like financial inclusion, you know, the underbanked or unbanked population, providing really lo- low, very low cost, easy access sol- financial solutions to people, distributed finance solutions like a P2P lending platforms. Um, uh, so I think the I think the retail side is is where ultimately where I think the world will benefit more from CBDC. I think it's harder to do. You've got to think about transaction rates and things like privacy concerns. There's a whole long list of things that need to be taken into consideration. That I know the the working groups at the ECB and at the Bank of England and the Fed are all you know debating these topics at quite some length right around. You know what, what? What's private? What visibility does the bank have, and so forth? But yeah, but in, in terms of our solution, it's it's the same solution can be used for both. And in fact, um, maybe we'll talk in a little bit about what we're doing in Bhutan. But you know, yeah, we're we're using both both elements there. That would actually be my follow-up question. So, uh, oh, perfect. As, <laughs> as far as I understand it correctly, uh, Bhutan was actually the retail uh, use case, right? The retail space. Uh, where you then focus on providing a central bank digital currency to the end user uh, and not only to banks, which we call wholesale um, CBDC, right? So maybe tell us a little bit about um, the the experience that you have gained uh, by partnering with the Bhutan Central Bank, providing a um, CBDC there or a potential CBDC running on um, the XRP ledger. Yeah, just a quick clarification. So it wouldn't be running on the XRP ledger. It would be running on the private ledger. On the private ledger. What we call the CBDC ledger. Same technology, right? So just wanted to clarify that. Um, So, yeah, so we're we're very fortunate to be working with the Royal Monetary Authority in Bhutan, which is the central bank. Um, Yeah, they have an agenda around um, digitizing the country, more um, financial inclusion, Building up the technology skills in country, um, so it was, it was, a, it was an ideal um, one of our early partners, and what is the one of the ones we've been able to announce externally of those that we're working on. Um, the scope actually is there's three three elements to the scope. So the you know there is wholesale. So we you know we were already working with two of the commercial banks and the central bank on you know distribution of CBDC from central bank to commercial bank, and then looking at interbank settlement so commercial so wholesale is part of it uh retail is is part of it and and that is um as you rightly said 
you know, distribution of the CBDC to the individual citizens. Um, there are many different use cases. I mean, an alternative to cash is one, obviously, that's you know well understood and widely used. And then the third element actually is cross-border. Um, Bhutan as a country, you know, they have their own currency, the Nagultram. It's pegged to the uh, Indian currency, but they don't. They um, they have a challenge with um, uh, remittances. So people sending money into the country, uh, being able to do that cost-effectively. So what we're actually doing is um, looking looking at how we can leverage CBDC as part of that cross-border solution as well. So from our point of view, it's a it's like this amazing project where we've got you know, all three elements: your wholesale, retail, and and cross-border into one one small country, where we believe that when we when we get into the full rollout stage, there'll be some real real benefit to the people of Bhutan. And the great thing I think about smaller countries is that you can experiment more easily than, for example, uh, you know, run trials and run POCs in Europe or in the United States. Um, so uh, very interesting use case. Um, and I mean, now, if we think of uh, a world where, for example, the um, Bhutan CBDC runs on uh, the private XRP ledger, right? Uh, and then other countries, so for example, even India, or uh, obviously now we see the Chinese CBDC, right? They would then, in this situation, probably not run on uh, this technology that you use, right? So which difficulties do you see um, going forward uh, as many central banks build CBDCs on very different tech stacks and not use the same technology? Because obviously they need to um, communicate with each other, right? Uh, is that something that Ripple also looks into? Yeah, no, it's a, that's a, it's a really, it's a perfect question. It's a really difficult one to fully solve, right? But it really, mm. we think of this as it, you know, the, under the term of interoperability. So, um, and I'll, I'll ask Anthony to kind of jump in here in a minute as well. But the you know, interoperability, it, it, in my mind, comes in like two or three different flavors, right? So the one is, you know, the technology level. How can you interoperate between different technologies? Um, and then there's also, um, you know, a sort of policy and, and um, regulatory level, right? So you have different countries have different sets of rules. So how do you how do you line that up? I think ultimately there will need to be some standards developed for CBDCs and cross border. Um, you know, in the interim, I think, you know, from our perspective, you know, we uh, we see a role for our RippleNet solution for the cross-border side so i mean today we send money you know from one fiat to another fiat or from you know a fiat through crypto xrp to another fiat so we're very used to working with these conversions in terms of different countries rules and policies around payments so um i, I think the um you know, it, that's kind of one of the key value propositions that as a company, I believe we bring to this CBDC discussion is the fact that we have got all this cross-border experience. Mm -hmm. You know, if you think about a domestic CBDC in isolation, it doesn't matter what technology you're using. You, each country will pick what they want to pick. Mm -hmm. But then they want to interoperate elsewhere. You know, you, you, have to, you have to assume there's going to be four or five different solutions out there that you have to kind of weave together. I don't know, Anthony, if you, if you have anything you wanted to to add to that. Yeah, I think it's, uh, as you say, it's not going to be one one uh, solution fits all. 
you know, every country is different, different reasons, different challenges, you know, um, different experience of payments. You know, some are very highly advanced and some are, are not as advanced. And, you know, it, the interoperability between the different fiat currencies will be a challenge and a big area and somewhere, as James says, we've got experience. But also within uh, the US with the dollar or within the um, euro, eurozone with the euro um you know you're talking of a number of different sovereign nations um so so within the eurozone is everybody going to use the same technology so every euro issuing country and how does that scale how does that work so the interoperability side just within the euro never mind euro to dollar euro to pound etc is going to be a big challenge and i think there'll be a number of solutions around this, but having this uh, mindset of a multi-CBDC platform and interoperability will help. And, the, you know, there's plenty of technology out there now and being developed that will help with this um, cross-border or even inter, intra, um, you know, currency challenge. And that's a perfect bridge as well to basically my next point that I would like to raise because we are now talking about technology, right? Technology that can be used for CBDCs. And now we discussed that different CBDCs could be run on different technologies. So my, my follow-up question would be, do you see blockchain really, you know, as a prerequisite technology for, for CBDC? Because I think uh, still a lot of people, when they hear about central bank digital currencies, believe that this is, uh, you know, this must be something related to blockchain and crypto. Um, uh, and and so so my question would be, what's your take on this? And uh, is there a possibility where by uh, Ripple could also play a role in, you know, providing this technology uh, technological interoperability, not only between different blockchains, uh, but also maybe you know if some central bank decides to provide account-based CBDCs uh, on traditional technology stacks and blockchains? Yeah, I think there's um, uh, a couple of questions there, obviously. Um, the mix between DLT or non-DLT and, you know, existing platforms, etc., is going to happen, as we, as we just said. So, um, you know, having the ability to interact technologically with each of these different platforms is going to be critical and there's lots of discussions on that lots of um you know different solutions for me uh, you know why dlt why blockchain technology it's back to the basics of what actually is dlt technology and it's around trusted transactions um and it's not trust in i trust james i trust you know xyz it's technical trust so i you know that that transaction is final and um you know um settled straight away or you know within a matter of minutes or seconds whereas today's financial system we all know that it takes days um for a transaction to actually settle. And there's lots of intermediaries and lots of steps in between. So it's highly, highly inefficient to use a non-DLT platform. That doesn't mean that the platform needs to be public and open to everyone. So, so there's a big misconception between 
public and private. Private doesn't necessarily mean centralized. <laughs> so, you know, you've got the different dimensions of this. So DLT can be a private ledger. Um, so the, the CBDC platform that we use at the moment that James talked about is a private ledger. Um, so you have to onboard uh, the users, you have to manage, you know, what happens within it, but it uses the DLT technology to, um, you know, uh, settle and, and sort of um, confirm the transactions. Likewise, that can easily then connect externally. So the reason why DLT base platform is great than with any other platform is it can talk to centralized corporate platforms, can talk to centralized banking platforms, etc. So you have the flexibility to interact with this network with lots of different types um, uh, of solutions. And that's really where DLT is critical and, and without question, you know, needs to be the solution. That's a great answer. Um, and obviously DLT can also bring up a lot of advantages, right? So uh, for example, specific use cases, payment use cases, which uh, we could not do with uh, simply we, we could not do with our current technology stack that we are using right um, so maybe coming to the question uh, which use cases you see um, of cbdc's that are going to be uh, issued by central banks um, are these use cases for example that leverage you know um, uh, blockchain technology with regards to uh, programmable payments um, and, uh, you know, delivery versus payment mechanisms and all these that everybody is talking about? Or do you also see some other um, use cases that a CBDC could provide? Yeah, definitely. The um, use cases of CBDCs are, are growing uh, the more and more we research this. And, and you see this when you, you know, talk to conference, yeah, conferences and discussions. Um, you know, the obvious ones about quickly settled cheap payments is, is obviously low cost payments, um, is obviously the critical one where people can transact and make minuscule payments to each other. And it costs, you know, uh, such a fraction, it, you don't know the cost. That helps with uh, innovation and, you know, businesses coming up with new ideas. Um, you think of all the IoT devices we have now and however many more billions we'll have in the next few years, they could be set to make micro payments to each other to, to different reasons. Um, so it sets off innovation, um, you know, so be it just a faster settlement, um, you know, across borders, internal borders but also allowing innovative new ideas and new um, uh, solutions to happen. It also allows the world to act in a different way. So if you think of the way the metaverse is growing, um, that's all about payments, micropayments, uh, you know, under, underpinning this. Um, with a CBDC built on a DLT, that will be quick and very simple to operate they won't you won't need to think about that so the metaverse can act as it is and then if you bring the physical and digital together um real estate imagine real estate transactions where you can um uh, basically split out the cost of a flat or an apartment and invest you know just 1000 euros into an apartment, but still get the benefit over the next 10 years of, you know, 10% appreciation. So fractional ownership, and then, you know, going into the, the world of DeFi, 
Um, I know at the moment it's still very new, um, and and some of the figures are are big <laughs> that you could you can earn um, on, on sort of DeFi transactions. But imagine if we had a local uh, CBDC based coin where I could lend some money to my local restaurants for them to help um, you know build you know so an extension or, or help them just over a, you know a challenging times. You program that, and they'll automatically pay it back from your, um, you know, from from the earnings, and you could then charge them X percent interest. So there's massive amounts of use cases, but we're only just scratching the surface on this of where it can be. And the innovative side of it is something that we're really interested in. And in a few weeks, we'll be announcing a, a sort of hackathon to sort of help us with this to look at this. Um, um, you know, we'll happily come back and explain more of that of how. You know the listeners and people can actually get involved with once there's a cbdc what can we do with it and that's actually where it's really interesting mm. yeah just if i could just add to that uh anthony i think the the DeFi space is definitely i think one of the hot areas to where where cbdc's will help facilitate um you know, one of the other projects that we're working on is with uh, the government in palau which is a small island in the pacific ocean they don't, they're a dollarized country, so they don't have a, a central bank, but they're, we're working with them um, and looking at creating a, a national stable coin. So this would be a government issued stable coin pegged to the US dollar. We have several different use cases, but you know, one really interesting one that there's a real world um, challenge that, that actually the idea came from, from the government was, was a, a, a P2P lending platform. So you know, in Palau, what happens is when people get paid, they line up at the bank to get their money out, and they often um, are asked to lend money to family members or, or friends, you know, to get them over a short-term, you know, cash flow requirement. So there's, it's very, very common to be lots and lots of lots of relatively relatively low-value lending going on, all done in cash today. Um, so that's that's a classic one where you know we're, we're looking potentially at the employees, uh, you know, government employees or other citizens getting paid in the in the stablecoin is one scenario, and either way that they can then they could buy into the the DeFi platform and do this P2P lending. So I think Anthony hit the nail on the head. I mean, the, the com- every central bank should be looking at this as a a platform for innovation. Right. If, if all that happens with CBDCs is that people do wholesale interbank settlement and they do cash alternative, I think everyone's missed the plot here, right? I think the real opportunity is is a way, way bigger than that, right? So I, I don't view CBDCs as a replacement for those things. I view it as a platform for the future. And do you also see, for example, the platform that the CBDCs could be issued on, right? So the, the private... Uh, CBDC platform from Ripple, would this platform also enable the creation of DeFi protocols itself, or would uh, the coin only be used for the settlement uh, on these uh, different DeFi platforms that are, you know, run on uh, other blockchains? Yeah, no, it comes back to interoperability. I mean, the, you know, obviously, someone if someone's using our CBDC ledger, which is based on the XRP ledger, and we have DeFi applications running on the public xrp ledger then the you know the interaction is very simple right we have we have a method to 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 stitch together you know multiple chains of the same technology but equally 
um, you know, you have to have this view of network of networks, right? So you've got, you know, a central bank, a digital currency network, a DeFi network, a NFT network, all these things need to be able to interoperate together. And again, that's kind of core to our, our heritage in our business. You know, even several years ago, we did a project with the Bank of England using something called the Interledger Protocol, ILP, which is really um, it's an open source initiative that allows you know connectivity between you know different platforms. Um, so, so I think this this whole the, the industry has to come together on mm. the, allow facilitating network of networks. I mean, you don't want you don't want to have one network trying to do everything because then it will probably grind to a halt, right? I mean, you just look at the gas fees on Ethereum, right? Mm. But at peak times, it's like it's it doesn't the economically doesn't make sense for some of the low value NFTs. Um, but if you have different networks specializing in different things, you stitch them together. I think that's that's utopia for, for the crypto world. Well, that's exactly that's utopia, but probably also the aim uh, that we should all strive for, right? Uh, to enable right. this interoperability. So um, James and Anthony, looking at the time, uh, time was flying. Uh, so interesting and so um, uh, great discussions here. Um, especially also, Anthony, what you have summarized for the CBDC use cases. I found it very great to have it all again in a couple of words uh, summarized. So good job on that one. Um, maybe as my, my last question, um, and that's basically the, the last pitch that you could give now to our audience <laughs> as well. So why should central banks actually use the technology of Ripple um, uh, to yeah, potentially issue their CBDC coins on that technology stack that you provide? Okay, that's a, that's a nice last question. Thank you for, <laughs> for that. Um, but I think there's a, there's a few reasons why we believe we, we have something to bring to the table here, right? We, we, you know, we're talking to lots of central banks at different stages of projects. Um, we'd love to hear from, from more. Um, I think what we bring is, is, is really two or three key things. You know, one is practical experience, right? We've been involved you know in the development and running of the xrp ledger for nine or ten years right it's been running it's had no no um hacks into it there's been no um downtime so very you know very high experience in running real real life you know systems that are moving you know billions of dollars around the world um secondly is our experience with RippleNet. so we have this vast experience you know eight or so years with RippleNet where you know, we've worked with regulators, we've worked with central banks, you know, we have experience in the cross-border aspect, which I think is important to bring to the CBDC table. Um, and then, you know, there's some core technology that, that, that is involved as well, like the Interledger Protocol and the XRP Ledger itself. And then I think the other thing, uh, why we, you know, we really would love to work you know, with as many banks as, as possible is, we're really focusing now on the how, you know, not what is a CBDC or why is a CBDC useful. I think we're past that now. Now we're into how do we make it a reality? Like how do we, you know, what really, what re people keep talking about financial inclusion, right? Well, how do you really make that happen with, you know, a CBDC, right? So you'll see coming out over the next few months, you know, we'll do some thought leadership pieces on a number of different topics around CBDCs. And again, we've Maybe we have a chance to do another one of these chats, you know, in, in two or three months' time, and share some of that. But I think really it's the practical experience and the you know proven technology. Um, 
that's that's kind of the bottom line from my perspective. I don't know, Anthony, if you wanted to add a put a bow on that one with any other thoughts. Yeah, no, James. Um, I, I think it's perfect what you said in terms of the you know Ripple has uh, I think it's ten years this year as well. So um, um, it's old for fintech um, and crypto, definitely. You know, so so having the enterprise part of the business, the Ripple Net part of the business that's very successful in cross-border payments and put that together with um, the XRP ledger and everything that's being built on that. You know, we're launching NFTs um, in around about two or three months. Um, yesterday, we just announced around about four million of grants being um, deployed for solutions on the, the ledger. And that's anything from real estate to different types of wallets, some really, really cool ideas out there. So you bring those together and you get the best of innovation together with the best of enterprise, you know, government grade solutions. And that for me is is the where we need to be. And that's what will help us grow and, you know, deliver this over the next few months and years. So spot on, I would say that was a good pitch, I have to admit. <laughs> Um, th thanks a lot for for your very interesting insights and information on what Ripple is doing in the CBDC space. Um, so thanks again for joining. Thanks also to our listeners to, to tune in to this new episode of the DEA podcast. And yeah, James and Anthony, looking forward to further discussions. And thanks again for joining. Great. Well, it's it's been a real yeah real pleasure and great chat and uh, yeah more to come so thanks Manuel and uh, again happy to be part of the DA really really excited talk to you soon bye